Hello and welcome to Experience Our Ally at Work. Today I'm speaking with Matua Dorn, who is a consultant at Nexus, and he has a keen interest in regeneration and renewal in organisational life. He began his career in psychiatry, which really had him working more on a one-on-one -on -one level. And then he began to have more interest in groups and went on to study in the area of intergroup relations. And this then set him up to continue to develop and work in the area of organisational life. He has worked across various sectors and more recently uh, he has been accompanying religious orders in their regeneration processes related to their relevancy and impact in the contexts now and into the future. This work has been incredibly interesting and rich for Matua and unusual and uh, he has had some great lessons from this. I look forward to hearing from Matua today and understanding how experience has been his ally at work. Hi Matua, great to have you with us today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, and you? Pretty good for a Friday, as I was uh, just commenting. Now, Matua... My first question, which has become part of this process as we've gone along, is do you remember when we first met? What were we up to? Uh, I remember where we met because I remember we went to a restaurant in um, central Paris. Uh, when was that? I'd say that was uh, five years ago, something like that, I'd say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember, I almost remember what we ate, a very visual, you know, restaurant, nice place, in fact, near uh, Châtelet-Léal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we were meeting because our, our mutual friend and colleague had passed and we were, in a way, my memory was we were connecting in a way right. around yeah. his death, around Bruce's death. Absolutely, um, you're right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it must have been a few months after his death. So yeah, yeah, and we and we both uh, participated in leading consultation. Is that was our other link? Exactly. <laughs> if I think Paris, yes. So true, true. Yeah. yeah. And and look at us. We survived, and we look quite good, really. Yeah, I would second that. <laughs> <laughs> we came through the other side. Yes quite an interesting process. So Matua, if if you just give us a little bit of an overview of your world of work, that, that would be really great. Well, my, my job title maybe would be um, an organizational consultant. What I actually do is a hybrid of consulting, coaching, facilitating. But basically what I do is that I work with groups uh, with organizations primarily sometimes I work on one-to-one -one, but and and really I help them work together better work together differently I help them have uh, conversations that matter conversations that they, they struggle to have really without um, an external facilitator and without uh, the right conditions mm -hmm. and, and the conversations they need to have often it's because they need to reinvent themselves. That could be one thing. Um, they need to think of a new strategy, maybe. They've, you know, they've, they've just gone through um, three or five years strategy and they want to rethink the future. Or, or maybe they're calling me because they're actually 
some conflict in their organization and uh, they're struggling. They can't get out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, they also call me because they they want to bring more diversity in the workplace and uh, you know there's some glass ceiling of some kind that um, is limiting the organization lots of different uh, situations but but what they all have in common really is that they want to work dif uh, together differently uh, they want to create a, a different future mm -hmm. so that's what that's what I do I work with all sorts of sectors really um, can be startup companies, big multinational, uh, public um, NGOs. And this this desire for um, doing things differently, what tends to uh, prompt that, Matur? What, what? How does that emerge for them? Do you think? What's been your experience? Well, um, essentially, it's because they have to. They've got to a place where they feel they have to it is actually quite rare it's, it's very interesting that you ask me this question because it is very rare that a client calls me because things are going fairly well but they anticipate that you know if they worked um, with an external consultant it could go even better or, or the future could be better usually they call me because they've arrived at a stage where things can't continue as they are and, mm -hmm. and they have to change. Mm -hmm. And in mm -hmm. fact, I would say that that pressure to change is often an ally for me. An ally. Yeah, yeah because they've got some sort of impetus or desire. Exactly. To, yes. What, thinking about your own uh, role, biography or, or journey itself, what links do you make to your desire for a different future? How, why do you attract these clients do you think where where is that in your your work story or life story that, that's another um very interesting question I, without thinking much yeah i mean i think the the first big shift in my life uh, linked to a, a different future i grew up in france and um you know i did all the right things and ticked all the boxes at school and i was uh in a way i was promised to a very happy future probably and in France, usually, you know, you do secondary school and then you move to um, higher education, university or, you know, business school and stuff. And um, in my last year of, of university, of uh, secondary school, just as I was doing my baccalaureate, I decided I wanted to go and live in Israel on the kibbutz. I wanted to experience real community life, no money, working the land. That was the future that really appealed to me. So that was a, you know, a complete shift. And you know, my parents were horrified and my friends didn't understand you know, what happened to me. And to be honest, I didn't really know. I just had a strong inner feeling and inner sense that that's what, I, that's what I wanted to do. That's what was right for me to do. So that's probably the first thing. And so it wasn't external pressure telling me mm. to change it was really from within mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. much more at the level of of, of uh, desire yearning than uh, than a response to an external constraint actually mm -hmm. have have there been external examples so that was an you know inside out have there been any outside in aspects to your journey where you have thought right I'm, i'd like to create a different future yes i mean there, there have been 
I mean, there was a big one in my late twenties um, when uh, my first marriage collapsed, which which wasn't something that I initiated. So it kind of felt like it happened to me, and, and so really that, that that was very external. And suddenly, the future that I had envisaged was clearly not going to happen. And and there was a a lot of um, you know emptiness, void. I, I didn't know what was there. There was a lot of pain, etc. But um, you know, once I started picking up the pieces, I, I was facing the question: Okay, well, what do I do now, and what mm-hmm. do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started re- rebuilding something um, around a, a renewed intention that kind of unfolded really uh, in, in an emergent way. But uh, but certainly, yeah, that was a huge uh, external. external. And in terms of the, the because that, that's your personal uh, world, although the experiences, you know, we, we learn from all of them and can use them and apply them, obviously. And in terms of your world of work, when did you begin to move into working with groups on their futures? Like what, can you tell me a little bit about your career in that regard, the shift, sure. change? Yeah. So really, I entered the world of work um, when I was 20 and, and I was just about to be uh, a father and I thought I need a job. And so I, I entered in the field of psychiatry, worked as a, um, a nursing assistant and then trained to be a nurse. That was my, my first really, um, my first piece of work working with groups because I, I, quite soon I moved into facilitating therapeutic groups uh, group psychotherapy. So that, that was one piece. And then I, I wanted to to train more, to become more skilled and yeah, and understand things better. So I went back to university and, and did the master's in group relations, which I thought was a, a master to about about working with groups in a therapeutic context. And I discovered it was a it was a, a master. I mean group relations was to do with relations in groups in the world of work, really, mm-hmm. organizations, etc. And, uh, and so I discovered a world I really didn't know existed, but I kind of fell in love. And I thought this is this is what I want to do working with people in their work situation, um, helping them create a, you know, a more effective uh, and efficient uh, atmosphere and, and working on creating something they want to mm-hmm. experience rather than and feel that they're having to experience. In in terms of your experience of the, the therapeutic environment, Matur, and then the group relations world, which is, as you say, was more work orientated, how did you experience the difference? Like, how would you understand that or, or talk about that? Well, the, the, the purpose in the therapeutic groups and in, in the, the world of therapies is really to help the, the person work through some of their past traumas and, and reconnect to some uh, or, or gather some some renewed inner strength so to overcome those traumas and, and to, to to be in a process of healing really at a personal level and so we're really working with the person and, and with the objective the purpose is healing of some kind or, or, or journeying towards healing in in the world of um, consultings and accompanying groups it's much more, the purpose is really about uh, how do you work together and how can you work better together? Now, what comes in 
when we work is, you know, we, we are human beings, so we bring who we are. And with that, we bring, you know, past traumas uh, and, and current difficulties in relationships and, and all the dynamics that happen in relationships. And we can work with it. And in fact, we have to work with it at some level in a consultancy assignment. But uh, the purpose is not to, to work through the traumas and, and to heal. The purpose is to understand uh, the impact of those traumas on how I take up a role in a working situation and bring some, some boundaries between you know, personal inner world and what's happening in the workplace so that I can then discover new ways of working with other people. So mm -hmm. it's, it's much more focused on uh, yeah, working together in a way where I can bring the whole of myself, but for the purpose of, of the work. Mm -hmm. That can be hard for people to understand in groups has been my experience <laughs> that, you, you know, that the focus is the, how the group functions or the team mm. functions. Yeah. Uh, it's not so focused on person in group. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was exactly. just, I was just interested in how you experience that difference. So, and in, in this, you talked earlier about creating conditions. So how you create the conditions for that work to happen, because it's, you know, I assume you don't just arrive and the conditions are there. So can you tell me something about how you've learnt uh, about or what are the conditions that need to be created for this this healing of the whole really is what I heard rather than focusing on individual healing right yeah it's an interesting way to put it uh, of putting it that's right healing of the whole well it's I mean we can start from there maybe it's it's to really keep an attention to the whole so if I'm working with with a group so the whole group and and what's going to to hold that group so that it can experience itself as a whole so there's a whole you know whole stuff about the setting itself making it conducive to working uh paying attention to you know a holding environment by respecting the times that we give ourselves so that we know when things start when they finish and people then can feel free to say or not say something so that would be a that would be you know because if you've got something very difficult that you hold within you you might very much not want to say it and if you feel you, know, you want to say it but but you don't want anyone to talk about it afterwards you're going to choose like the last 10 seconds to say oh by the way i just want to say that and you need to feel free to say that if you know that okay 10 seconds later it will end and and if it's not going to end because the facilitator or the consultant is not holding that boundary well then then it's going to be traumatic and and so that's that's mm -hmm. what we want to be attentive to mm -hmm. you know that we don't create um, repeated traumas um so the conditions are there the, a lot of work i spend before the actual intervention by really trying to understand what's going on and who the people are and and what's going on for them what's their perspective on the issues we're going to then talk about together. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I will then design a process where I can ensure that as much as what needs to come out, will have an opportunity to come out. So, so that the process will not, you know, by inadvertence, will not um, exclude parts of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then 
then what I work a lot on, and, and that's part of the touch I bring up, very keen on one another. And there's a great expression, how do I listen to understand rather than listening, rather than listen to respond? Most of us through school, through whatever, you know, we, we learn to listen to respond, you know, so I don't actually hear what the other's saying. I'm just hearing my own voice about what is it I'm going to say now? Well, so I help people quiet down that voice so that they just open up and listen to the other person and, and really connect to what they're bringing. And then also use other methodologies so that people can speak, speak their truth, but in ways that will, as much as possible, invite others to speak theirs rather than straight away polarizing and, and breaking down the, the communication field. So that's part mm -hmm. of what I pay a lot of attention to. Mm -hmm. And in terms of your own interest, I guess, so that because that sounds like your practice, so you're, you're really honing your practice to create these conditions. Over the years of working, what particular areas have you become more curious about? Because I think we all have bits that, you know, we burrow into more than others based on our histories, etc. So what, what would yours be, Matilda? Where have you gone in terms of things that really interest you? Well, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's evolved in a way. And initially, I, I thought I could um, drive that evolution, I could say, this is what I want to do. And it will just happen. Now, I feel much more like I'm kind of surfing a wave that's much bigger than me and and trying not to not to be washed over by the wave. But basically the initial impetus was, you know, I was a French Frenchman in England and I was really, really interested and, and, and I had very much at heart the whole thing about intercultural situations. How do we meet one another across cultures, you know, in a way that really enables me to understand you for who you are and how you see the world kind of thing. And so I, when I set up my consultancy company Nexus, that was the, the primary uh, focus, you know, intercultural situations. But then, then we moved to, um, so we realized we were doing things that were broader than that, much more about diversity in a broader sense. And, and even beyond that, it, it was about helping people create futures together that 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 are meaningful and and i guess that thing about meaningful kind of led me to to work to start working with religious congregations without me looking for them it, it just happened that um well our common friend that you mentioned bruce called me on on an assignment once um and it just snowballed from there and so i have spent quite quite a bit of time over the last few years um, helping religious international religious congregations engage in in very deep transformations which which i realize now i would now call uh, processes of regeneration okay mm -hmm. because many of them organizationally were the kind of thing that was the, the process that was unfolding was a process of death really things were dying and and, and, and things could not continue into the future. And they're kind of finding a new life. It's like, it's like life is breathing through them again in, in a new way. And so that's, that's um, very clear when I look at the work I do with religious congregations. And, and I then realized that actually that's the work 
I've been doing with everyone else. And so regeneration has become now the big thing for me. What is the etymology of regeneration? I don't know in the moment, Matilda. Is the etymology of regeneration? Yeah, well, it's a good good question. I mean, I would say generation, uh, genesis, it's like it's like the, the, the birthing, the, the, the bringing into the world. Mm-hmm. And so regeneration is... Um, a rebirthing. Yeah, rebirthing. Now, now, what I think is true is that uh, generation and generosity are have got the same roots. Yeah, so uh-huh. there's, there's something yeah. about about giving, so giving birth or giving or yeah, something about life pushing through. I think you know my association in the moment, which is a, a little interesting, is that how one has to be generous to let things die. Mm. Yeah, you know, in order to enable the the emergent or the new because i'm thinking in the orders uh not that i've ever worked you know in or been in that space as you have but i assume that the purpose that the origins of some of those orders is no longer what they are and then how do they allow the death of parts of their order and even their per- their original purpose maybe is true that, and and how how much generosity they would need to be able to do that work and and for you to hold that that was just interesting in the moment I was thinking if, if I may pick up on it because it's yes. a, it's a very powerful association for me that you made because I mean working we can talk about this maybe later in the session but yes. but but it's true it's I have a, a, a quite a, a strange path in terms of my connection with religion with the church etc but mm-hmm. but the journey I've, I've been on the last uh, 10 years has really you know regenerated me at many level and spiritually as well and one thing that i found that i find very very powerful in the christian um, tradition looking at the what they call the paschal mystery yeah so the mystery of how jesus died and then resurrected is one of the very powerful elements is what they called kenosis and that's a word i only discovered a few months ago and kenosis means self-emptying and and basically kenosis some would say that jesus's life was um you know a whole journey of kenosis but certainly kenosis is what is associated to the um the moment of crucifixion and of really self-emptying to um, allow oneself to die. So I link it very much to that generosity, you know, about, about it's about self-emptying, self-giving. It's about, um, yeah, so, so there's something that, that I let go from within me or, or what belongs to me and I really give. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found very interesting in your association as well is that often we we don't let things die. We don't let things die because we're worried of of doing bad or of uh, you know of, of being you know seen as as mean or whatever. And it's very difficult to understand ourselves as generous when we let some things that need to die when we let them die. It's true, and and not knowing, I think, can also be a block or a defense they're allowing things to die because yeah. when even if the known state or the current state is not very tolerable it's known exactly 
whereas the unknown, um, and I know you have an interest in, in the unknown because we were talking earlier. So yeah. what's been the territory with the unknown interest you have doing this work with the orders? I mean, again, I think I started picking this up from my own experience when I realized that the, the, the big life-changing moments that happened to me threw me in places of not knowing and basically threw me in places where I had to check out the window any plans I had because they were no longer going to fit. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that moment, um, it, it's initially... It's, uh, it's very anxiety provoking, not knowing. And then I discover, you know, the, the reassuring power of having a plan, of having structures, etc. But, but also what I discovered is that the, the real new only comes through not knowing and through not having a plan and through not controlling. It's, it's only something that can emerge. Mm -hmm. if, if you were able to think about it before, then it's not new. No. <laughs> so it's, it's only new if it takes you by surprise. And so that not knowing, so it happened to me in, in, in much a nicer way when I went to Israel on the kibbutz. It, happens to me, it happened to me quite severely when, when suddenly my marriage broke down. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are other spaces then, um, you know, where it happened to me. But I realized what I, yeah, because when I, I forgot to say this, but when I, when I, um, did that course, that master's in group relations and discovered this is great. I, I love this, this consultancy work. I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I said, okay, I'm going to stop nursing and psychotherapy. I'm going to be an organizational consultant, not knowing you know, what, what the job was really, not knowing anybody who could be my client, not knowing how to run a business, not knowing anything really. I mean, when I look back on it, I'm thinking, gosh, that was... I don't know if it was madness, but it was it was uh, something. But but then stuff started unfolding, and and the form that things took, you know, they were able to take these forms because because I I, I let a, an emerging process take place. Yeah, so that's why mm -hmm. I I personally that in, in those moments in my journey, and in fact it's it's really you know, then then I moved back to France and I ended up setting up Nexus and and things just unfolded. So I. I'm working quite often, I'm, I'm living quite often this not knowing, but what, I, what I've really developed is a process for my clients to bring them in a, in a self enough and contained enough way to this place of not knowing. Mm -hmm. so, so something new can emerge. So, something, so moving from not knowing being anxiety provoking to not knowing being a resource. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And sounds very simple as you say it like that, but, or, you know, as we talk about it, but, yeah. it's, but that's a big road, isn't it? When you're working with a group. Absolutely. To, to end up in a place of it being a resource. And uh, I think it links back to what you were saying about the, setting the conditions earlier on. I mean, in my lived experience of accompanying these processes, if you look, you know, if you zoom out and you look at the process, with hindsight, often, you know, it does look like, okay, we journeyed from knowing things could not continue to not knowing what, what else could happen to suddenly being taken by surprise by new possibilities. 
to then implementing them. That's that's what it looks like, and it looks nice, yeah. But mm -hmm. if you zoom in, actually, it's uh, it's not constant, but but very regularly the group moves back to mm -hmm. wanting to know, to wanting to go back to the known, to mm -hmm. not accepting this uncomfortable space, which I know from experience will be the only pathway to what they also desire, which is something really new. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of my work is often, uh, you know, it feels like, well, I've never been a midwife or a mid-husband. I don't know if you say that, <laughs> but, but it, it's very much about a, a kind of natural birthing process, you know, that I, I accompany and I have to feel, you know, is it time to push or is mm -hmm. it time to dilate kind of thing? And, you know, what's, uh, and, and each, each situation is unique. So you, I have in my role, I have to really tune in to what's going on to, mm -hmm. to make the right call. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll make a call. You will soon find out if it's right, wrong or otherwise. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, when you're working with the emergent process. Sure. You know, like when you're interviewing. Yeah. So, so I know that you've recently finished a book, Mature, that's True. based on the work with the order. Do you want to tell us a little about the, the book? Yeah, well, the, the book is called, uh, it's, it's in French, it's the translation would be uh, a consultant with the nuns. Yeah, so it kind of sets the scene quite uh, quite simply and it's a book I've uh, wanted to to write it for quite a few years now in fact I think I had started writing it six or seven years ago and, and then kind of paused but there were several reasons why I wanted to write it one of them is that when I when I started working with religious congregations I, I would not really tell people I, I, I did that um, especially in the business world I thought people would think of me as weird, crazy, or, you know, or, or inadequate for what they had just called me for. So I was, yeah, I had a real shyness about it. And then every so often I would end up mentioning it and people would be genuinely surprised, but, but interested. Gosh, really, you do that? What? They do that? They, they hire a consultant? What? They go through transformation? So, I mean, we all have, I mean, I had loads and I still have some stereotypes about um, religious congregations. And it's true that many of my own stereotypes were destroyed by the, the test of experience. You know, I realized that I had all these mental models about these people that were not, not true at all. And but so when, when I started telling stories to my friends and my colleagues and my, my clients, every time people were very very interested and say oh tell me more and you know I was telling because a lot of uh, the the innovation I do in my work in terms of methodologies etc I've done it in, with religious congregations because paradoxically they are very open to new ways of working much more in my experience than than the, the businesses I've worked with yes is part of that and this is a hypothesis that I'm testing is part of that that they are in the unknown or unseen realms in terms of faith beliefs and values like it's it's more something that they work with it's a resource that they're with more open right yeah and uh, and I think that's that's why they, they probably have a much higher degree of tolerance for not knowing for uncertainty. I mean, some of the clients I work with, they don't refer to God. They refer to this mystery we call God. 
Mm-hmm. So I love that expression. Mm-hmm. You know, because if if you do work with the idea that God is a mystery that we'll never really understand and, and, and we'll never see the end of it. So you can't close things down and box it up, then then you know naturally you're going to be open to things. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think they, they are more used to talking to one another at, at a deeper level or at a deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said all that, yes, they, they, they are, you know, they've welcomed my, my innovations quite, um, not easily, but, but they, have, they have welcomed it. But, but still, you know, I, I, one of my stereotypes that, you know, was that these people, they know how to talk to one another so they can't have conflicts because they, they, they know how to talk, they know how to talk quietly, and because they believe in God and Jesus, they don't get angry with one another. All these stereotypes I had. Well, I realized that actually, you know, that first of all, they are human beings and human beings living and working together. They, they, they do get into conflict and they avoid conversations and, you know, and there are things that they find so difficult to say, etc., etc. So, so I was, um, you know, I, I, I have been taking them to, you know, to the edge of their own comfort zone, like I would with other groups. Mm-hmm. And is the book about the, their process, including your experience? Is that, is that how you yeah. approached it? Yeah, I, I was quite clear that, that I wanted the book to be, well, to, to have at least three threads that would be really interconnected. In other words, not three parts to the book but really three threads that we see throughout the book and one thread i wanted to show was i wanted to tell stories about this world that that non-religious people know so little about and, and showed in a way that um, that is marveling you know like a, like a real discovery beyond beyond our, our, our stereotype and um, assumptions etc so that's one thread the other thread i wanted to show was the kind of transformation that is possible when when you really engage in it and that's that's been part of i'm going to talk religious now that's been part of the grace for me i mean just to see gosh you know some things are possible mm-hmm. so, you know groups can get together and engage in a transformation despite how difficult it might have looked at the beginning mm-hmm. So that's the second thread. And it also shows, therefore, you know, some of the tools I've been using, you know, that uh, I've tested and, and they seem to have worked there. And in fact, the last chapter is, is about, based on my experience of the last 12 years, is what, what I see or what I, I suppose could be possible in terms of transformation for the church as a whole. But the third thread is, is my own story in all of that. So mm-hmm. how did I get there? I start the book with the question, you know, what was I destined to get there? Is it part of, you know, a plan or, or is it chance mm-hmm. that took me there? You know, how did I end up getting there? Now mm-hmm. I spend the book not answering the question. Because <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the book, I think that it's, even though it remains for me a very interesting question, I'm not, I'm not even sure it's the question that's alive in me now. Because mm-hmm. 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 I'm, I'm on this journey, you know, so yeah, I can ask, I can ask myself, why am I on this? And, but I try, I try to be much more with the present. 
you know, okay, I'm on this journey, what do I do with it kind of thing. But, but I had a very um, particular relationship with, with religion, the church, etc., cetera, which, um, which, I, which I want to tell in the book because I'm very, very grateful for these people who've welcomed me into a world of work really because we, we had working relationships and at, they, they never demanded of me that I was um, Catholic or religious or anything. It, it, you know, it wasn't part of their selection process. What they wanted was uh, skills and competencies for the kind of organizational transformations Work. that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I was always invited to their praying yeah. moments and mass and stuff, but, but it was always, um, it was real freedom. It's like, you don't have to be there if you don't want to, there's no, there's no expectation in that. But by being there and, and seeing these, these very spiritual beings engage in their spiritual life it's 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 done something to me and and also it you know i've been able to explore some of those mysteries and each time with a new eye and mm -hmm. yeah, it's been mm -hmm. very fascinating so i, I wanted to because because basically i entered this you know was of course a lot younger and maybe more um what's the word i'm looking for more kind of cocky or sure of myself okay. yes yes i'm thinking okay I'm, I'm an organizational consultant okay you need transformation okay check 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 we're going to do this and actually i ended up being very transformed myself mm -hmm. was i the most transformed of everyone i don't know but certainly i think i've been uh, as transformed as they have been which well, that, i really didn't expect well uh, yeah I, that that's a wonderful reflection and uh, i think that means the work's really been happening then <laughs> if if we both are you know shape and are shaped by exactly. the process yeah Matur, i'm really mindful of our time together and yeah. as we come to a close you were just speaking about the question you had at the beginning is not the question that's alive in you now hmm. so what is the question that you're sitting with now if there is one there might be more than one but one what comes to mind what comes to mind is what is the question i think that's um that would be one but i, I don't have a, a question that that um that comes you know very clearly and, and clearly framed but for me something uh, you know earlier on i spoke about the, the mystery we call god well for me the, the mystery that i'm that i want to engage with is the mystery of regeneration really and, mm -hmm. and there's something about how I have a feeling that, that this is my regeneration is my calling at, at the moment that I have something to bring. I certainly have a strong feeling that the world is in great need of regeneration, starting with with our ecosystems, of course, but you know with our communities, with many of our institutions and and uh, you know I feel I have something to play in there but but I'm really I'm, I'm yeah I'm often in the dark. Uh, and I'm certainly in the not knowing, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to stay there because I, I have a, an undying sense that there's something for me there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not always comfortable because sometimes, you know, this really not knowing what shape or form it can take. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, I'd rather know, be simpler, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, there's something there. Well, I look forward to knowing at some point, well, watching, observing, 
engaging with where that takes you. So thank you so much for coming on today, Matua. And uh, thank you, Rebecca. Lovely, lovely to connect. Yes, no, really enjoying this conversation. Thank you very much.